Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. And so this week we're going to talk about the fear of inadequacy. But I want to talk about, instead of the fear of inadequacy, I want to talk about the blessing of inadequacy. And so if you're taking notes, and I recommend you do, that's the title of the lesson today, The Blessing of Inadequacy. When we realize that we aren't good enough, but God is good enough, it's going to remove a lot of fear from us. And so there's a blessing in us, not re- in us recognizing that it's not about us, it's about the God in us. All right? And then next week, I'm hoping to finish it with the fear of judgment and why a believer shouldn't fear judgment. So, here we go. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to make 27 points today. Shouldn't take more than a couple hours. Actually, I'm going to make four, sort of. The first one, actually, we're going to read first out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 through 31. Read along with me, if you will. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. Point number one, our adequacy isn't determined by our ability. Our adequacy isn't determined by our ability. In verse 26, we read this, For consider your calling, brethren, that there are not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. Considering your calling is is Paul's way of making the statement referencing God's saving call. He's saying he didn't save you because you're capable. He didn't save you because you're educated. He didn't save you because you're strong or even because you're worthy to be saved. He saved you to prove how awesome that he is. There is nothing you can do to earn salvation, but God has made you adequate. Our adequacy has nothing to do with our own ability. I don't know about you guys, but I, I had to come to this realization that it wasn't me, but Christ in me that made me capable of doing what I do. Can, can I, let, me, let me let you in on a secret. The first two years I was here, and still from time to time, I'd come off this podium, and I'd be sweating through my shirt. Because public speaking 
specifically public speaking regarding the word of God, terrifies me. And I know that probably sounds weird because this is what I do for a living. Before that, I was an adult teacher at the police academy for 10 years. But public speaking there didn't bother me as much as public speaking here because there was a true, you better get this right here. You better not mislead someone here. And so I walked around feeling as though I was inadequate. I didn't know enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't brilliant. I wasn't powerful. I wasn't strong. I wasn't influential enough to do what God's called me to. And either are you. It doesn't play off well in the South because guys like to think themselves uber strong and manly and all these kinds of things. But let me tell you, who you are, whatever you are, in the eyes of God, has nothing to do with your own ability. And we should be thankful for that. We should praise God for that. Because if it was based on my ability, whether or not I could accomplish a thing, then if it didn't get accomplished, it would be on me. But because it's Christ working through me, God saves who he saves regardless of what I say. It's the power of God, gospel message, the power of God that saves people. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, do you get frustrated when you do an altar call and nobody comes to the front? And I'd like to say I said no. I said, well, a little bit. But I've had to come to a realization that it's not about what I say. It's not about how smart I am. It's not about how strong I am or capable I am or how educated I am. It's about the gospel message and the spirit of God provoking that. It's God's work to do. And so there's actually blessing in my inadequacy because in my inadequacy I recognize that it's not about me. I'm trying to set you free today because so many people in this congregation and every congregation across the United States has people sitting in it that won't do what God called them to do because they don't think they're good enough, strong enough, intelligent enough, make enough money to do it. And you're and you're stifled. You're paralyzed by the fear of it. But you're in the best place that you can be. Because if what God has called you to doesn't scare you, it's probably not of God in the first place. If you're big enough to carry it yourself, it's definitely not God in the first place. If it doesn't cause you to stretch or strive beyond your own capability to accomplish it, it's not of God, that's of you. If it's comfortable for you, you're not being stretched enough. And so we should feel blessed in our inadequacy, recognizing that God takes care of us when we submit to Him. When we acknowledge that it doesn't matter who we are specifically in regards to strength and intelligence and all of these things. As a matter of fact, the wise are a stumbling block to themselves for salvation. And let me explain if, I, if you don't understand what I'm saying. People that think they're self-smart are the hardest person on earth to, con to talk to about Jesus because they think they know everything. Anybody ever talk to somebody that thought they knew everything? I try to talk to those besides me. 
So you, you talk to them for two or three minutes, and then you finally realize, you know what, I'm just going to write them off. I'm done talking to them. They're not receiving. I'm just going to dust my feet off and walk away. Because they already know. They've created a stumbling block in themselves because they believe that they're smarter than you. When, in fact, all you're telling them is the word of God. And so I don't have to worry about being adequate. I just have to worry about the God in me being adequate and the spirit of God moving through me being adequate to change the life of the people around me that they might be adequate. But we have to recognize that it's not about us. The things that should put us ahead actually put us in a deficit in regard to God. It is the feeling of inadequacy that makes us aware of our need and draws us to the gospel. Let me read a verse to you. Matthew eleven twenty five. At this time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Jesus himself said, I praise you for hiding these things from the people that think they know everything and revealing it to the people that shouldn't understand it. You know why? Because when the people that shouldn't understand it actually understand it, then only God can get the glory for it. I want the people in this room, the people in this church, to, to move your feet from where you are to where God's called you. To start doing what God's called you to do. To start being who God's called you to be. Not in here. It's easy in here. But out there. It's time that we recognize that it's the strength of God in us. The power of God in us. The wisdom of Christ in us. The guidance of the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to do what God has called us to do. I feel like I could probably fake for a very short amount of time pastoring. But you know how long it would take for you to figure out I was a fake? Probably about two or three weeks. Because I can't do it in my own power. I'd stumble over myself. I'd do something crazier than I normally do. It's about God and his adequacy. One of the things that I hear more Christians say is, and I don't know what my purpose is. I would say for most of you, for a large number of you, you do know what God's calling is for you. You've just been too scared to step out in it. And so you've convinced yourself that you don't know what it is. Step out in whatever God's called you to do because it's not about you anyway. Amen? I want to read a story to you out of Matthew chapter 19. And it's a story that most of you are familiar with. And if you're not, well, you're about to get familiar. It's the rich young ruler. Jesus understood, as we should be, that the wise and intelligent are at a disadvantage. We've talked about that. And we see this, exactly this, playing out in the rich young ruler, starting in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 19. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? 
And he said to him, Why are you asking me what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. So he says, First thing you need to do is be obedient. And that's going to mean something when I tell you the next thing you need to do. Then he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he starts rattling off the Ten Commandments. And the young man said to him, All these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? And in verse 21, Jesus comes across him with a left hook that he wasn't prepared for. Because he in his eyes, in Jewish understanding, he was doing everything that he was supposed to be doing. In verse 21, Jesus says this. Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, which means the law isn't going to complete you. All the stuff that you've learned isn't going to complete you. It's not going to make you adequate. You know what's going to make you adequate? Obedience is going to make you adequate. Let me tell you what I need you to be obedient to. Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Verse 22, And when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What is Jesus saying here? Why am I bringing it up right here? Jesus is telling him, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you own. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter what you manage to accumulate in your life. If you're not willing to be obedient to the word of God and follow me and do as I say, then your sufficiency is insufficient. If you will be obedient to the word of God, I don't care if you don't own anything. If you'll do what I've called you to, I don't care if you don't know anything. Because let me tell you, the wisdom of God in a man that's confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior is more wise than the wisest Ph.D. that ever walked the face of the earth. Stop allowing yourself to be told by the enemy that you're not good enough. You are good enough. I'm trying to encourage you today. Because there's not a curse in inadequacy, there's a blessing in inadequacy. He was dependent on his stuff, not on Jesus. Are you dependent on your stuff or are you dependent on Jesus? Some of y'all look at me like I got three heads. So I'll ask it again, just make sure you understand the question. Are you depending on your stuff? Or are you depending on Jesus? Because there's only, your stuff's not getting you to heaven. Your stuff's not getting anyone saved. Your stuff's not going to accomplish anything eternal. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that all that stuff is going to be burned away and none of it's going to exist. The only thing you're going to have is the fruit that you bore here on earth. And I'm convinced that the fruit that you bore here on earth is the product of the calling that you've stepped into, recognizing that it doesn't matter who you are, it only matters who God is in you. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I want some fruit to lay down. You know why I suffered through the first two years of sweating every Sunday? Because I know that at the end of it all, I'm going to have to stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, 
and give an account for who I am. And so it's worth it to set it down. It's worth it to say, my inadequacy is your adequacy. And to step out into your calling. Step out into your calling. Step out into your calling. People are all, what are you talking about my calling? Your purpose. Why do you think God created you? Let me tell you this. There's never been, I'm convinced, I don't guess I could prove this without talking to everybody on earth, but I'm convinced that God created no person ever that he didn't plant a purpose in. You think he just lets you just hang out here for no reason? If he didn't have a purpose for your life, he'd have killed you the day he saved you. Because you're useless after that to him. Can, can I get one amen? All right. What am I saying? I'm saying I know it sounds like a paradox. But strength should be strength. Intelligence should be intelligence. But in God's kingdom, it's just not that way. In God's kingdom, the truth is that we're, there are not many wise, not many mighty, and not many noble. I'm not wise, but that the wisdom of God has been placed in me. I am probably the most ignoble person before Jesus I'd ever met. But Jesus makes us noble because he gave us a noble calling and a noble purpose. I want, I want so much for your life. God wants so much for your life. But in destroying the fear of inadequacy, you have to recognize first that he is the one that is adequate. Amen? And so by point number two, our adequacy is determined by his ability. Our adequacy isn't of our ability, the first point. The second point, our, our adequacy is determined by his ability. I'm going to read 27 through 29 to you. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not. So that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. Amen. This is where I'm supposed to start talking, or I'm sure I'm supposed to start talking about, you know, you, you might be foolish, but that's all right because God's going to use you anyway. Or you might be shameful, but that's all right. God's going to use you anyway. You might be weak, but God's going to use you anyway. But I think every single word in the Scripture is put there for a reason. And so let's not skip the most important words in this whole passage. And they are, but God has chosen. The first thing I want to tell you, if, if our adequacy is determined by his ability, then we have no adequacy unless he provoked that which happened in us. But God, we've talked about this over and over and over again. Our testimony is very simple. I was, but God, I am. 
That's why I love the but God moments. We have to recognize the but God moments. If you'll look before that, what were we? We weren't wise. We weren't mighty. We weren't noble. But God chose us anyway. We need to picture God loving us enough that he gives us the things that we ask for. And he equips us for the things that he's called us to. But it starts with seeing God, having a revelation of God. Amen? We should all walk around with a revelation of God. <coughs> and so I don't want to miss the but God moment. Because there's nothing done in us that God didn't first instigate. Nothing. And in whatever he's done in us, he's given us an identity. I don't know if you guys remember when Angela and I were on vacation, for those of you that were here, Pastor Rick preached. And one of the verses that he preached out of, and one of the verses that I'm going to read you today, is 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. So he not only touched you, gave you a but God moment, but in that instigation, he gave you a identity, an identity. He says, but you, excuse me, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Man, isn't that awesome? I don't want you to hear the word and just let it fly past you. I want us to have a passion for the word. And so I'm going to start over. You, Bethany, are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. What is your identity? Your identity is a holy people of God because he reached down and called you. He reached down and touched you. He, because of the excellencies that he possesses, God did, but God did. You have not received mercy. I'm sorry. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know what mercy is? We get past all these religious words, and we're all, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny to me. You sit in a, it's not funny. It's sad, really, because we've, we've created a culture that, that it's okay, or people feel as though they're made to feel less because they don't know stuff. If you sit in a circle of 15, 20 guys, and I'm sure women are probably different because y'all are smarter than us, and you ask 20 guys, what do you think mercy means? They'd, they're not going to know, but they're not going to tell you they don't know. They're going to look at you and be like, you don't know? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to tell you if you don't know. Right? Well, what does righteousness mean? Well, if you don't know, I'm not telling you. You must not be that. You know what mercy is? Mercy is not taking judgment against someone when you have a right to take judgment against them. That's how much God loves you. 
that he had a right to pour his wrath out on you, but determined to not pour his wrath out on you, but instead pour his wrath out on his son Jesus so that he could spend time with you. God gave us an identity, and that identity is people of God, people that belong to him, people that have received mercy and not wrath, which means we are now sons and daughters of the Most High King with all the rights and privileges of a son and daughter of an heir of the Most High King. It's not about our inadequacy. It's about his adequacy. It's about his ability. It's about his strength. It's about his wisdom. It's about his might. It's about his protection. It's about him. It's not about us. One of the things, we had two or three mentors, Angel and I, starting out, and one of the things they always told us, because I didn't like getting 3 o'clock in the morning phone calls to go to the hospital. They'd say, it ain't about you. Just go do it. ain't about you. Just go do it. And I'd be all, dang old hospital visits, people sick all the time. But you know what they taught me? They taught me it's God's adequacy and his strength, and his wisdom, and his ability that gives me the ability to do those things. I couldn't fulfill this purpose if I didn't first fulfill that purpose. What has God called you to? It doesn't have to be anything great. You may never do a hospital call. You may never preach. You may never lead a ministry. You know what I did for an hour on Monday or Tuesday? Was it Monday or Tuesday? I cleaned toilets and vacuumed the church. Because when the toilets are dirty and the floor's dirty, that's my calling. And God has made me adequate to do that. Step into your calling. Step into your purpose. Because it's not your adequacy, it's His. And in that adequacy, He gave you an identity. He calls you His. Are we destroying fear today? Am I talking like I got any sense at all? The question is, why would he choose us? I mean, if I'll be honest with you. Anybody ever hire anybody? Raise your hand if you've ever hired anybody. When you hired them or when you filled out an application process or, or the job description, did you say... I'm looking for the stupidest, most unreliable, weak-minded, has-to-be-late-all-the-time, and preferably doesn't own a vehicle. Did you write that on the job description? All right, some of y'all are laughing because these are the people you're dealing with all the time. You didn't write that on the job description. God did. God did. And I am so grateful that he did. Because when he wrote Jim Cubic's job description, he said, I'm looking for the ignorant. I'm looking for the divorcee. I'm looking for the drunkard and the whoremonger and the violent and the vile. I'm looking for the guy with no reputation at all except for a bad one. And and I put in my resume. And praise God, his adequacy 
made my inadequacy adequate. That's the blessing of it. Don't be afraid of not being good enough. Be afraid of thinking you're good enough. Because when we think we're good enough, I promise you, you're not good enough. God looks for those that are jacked up. Read your Bible. I was, I was up at 2.30 this morning, or 2 o'clock this morning, reading through my Bible, and I was just kind of praying through the sermon and all this kind of stuff, and I started thinking about all the people in the Scripture that are jacked up. You know, Moses killed somebody, and then gave all God, God gave God all the reasons why he wouldn't do what God called him to do. David took another man's wife and then killed him so nobody would find out. Paul persecuted and oversaw the killing of Christians. Matthew was a tax collector and stole from his own people. This book is full of people that God shouldn't have used. But God used them anyway. And so why? Why would God choose us? Because the best candidate for the job of representing Christ on earth are the broken and the unqualified. Because then the only God can get the glory. I went to Pastor Rick about, I don't know, six months after I felt like we were getting called to plant a church. I had gotten really anxious. I mean, really super anxious. Because I wasn't sure if I could do it. I, matter of fact, I knew I couldn't do it. And I asked him. I said, how, how can I do it? I, I'm not smart enough. I, I'm, I'm making all these excuses. And he took two, two they were coffee cups. I just have these because they're bigger. And he set them down and he took them. And he went like this. He said, let me ask you a question. Which of these, if it were to hold water, would be a miracle? I said, well, this one, of course. It's impossible. There's no way it can hold water. And he said, if it did ultimately hold water it would be miraculous right and I said yes sir he said and that's the reason why God can use you because you're not supposed to hold water you're not supposed to be able to do it matter of fact it would take a miracle in your life to do it God ain't getting any glory for this God gets glory for this when you ask yourself, how can I know that I'm good enough? Ask yourself, are you this? Or are you arrogantly this? And if you find yourself in this, God wants to use you. And he will if you'll let him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, my grace is insufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. His grace and His power 
dwelling in us qualifies us. I'll make one more point here. In verse 30 of this text, 30 through 31, it says, But by His doing you were in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Third point, our adequacy is based in the work of Christ. Everything you're capable of doing that has any eternal significance has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the work of Christ in you. To be in Christ, it says specifically here, but by His doing, by God's doing, you are in, everybody say in, Christ Jesus. Over and over and over we see this term in the Scripture, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in Christ, in Christ. What does in Christ mean? In Christ means to have been provoked by the Spirit of God because John 6, says no man can come unless the Spirit calls him. In Christ means in humility except the truth of who we were is displayed by the Holy Spirit through conviction acknowledging our own inadequacy and Him is holy. You know what we have to do? We have to have a provocation by the Spirit of God which is what we call conviction. People say, I don't know if I've ever experienced conviction. If you've experienced conviction, you know you've experienced conviction. I've tried and tried and tried to explain what conviction feels like. I told it what I, I, I explained it up here one day. You're feeling this pressure in your chest and your heart's beating super fast. Somebody came up to me after service. He goes, man, was I having a heart attack? You sound like you're describing a heart attack. I said, no, it's, it's the work of your heart, but you weren't being attacked. And then we have to recognize, we have to mourn our sin and recognize that we are insufficient to save ourselves. In that, according to Romans 10.9, we have to make a confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. And in being saved, you become in Christ. And in all these things, 2 Timothy 1.19 or 1.9 says we have this promise. Who has saved us? He's talking about God. And called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. Not according to your adequacy. But according to His purpose and grace. Which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. How can we fear inadequacy with this promise? How can we say, I'm not good enough with this promise? Because your insufficiency is exactly what God needs to use so that He gets the glory for doing the work in you. And when we accept Christ, according to this same text, we get the wisdom of God. I don't know about you guys, but I could stand the wisdom of God. Do you know wisdom isn't just knowledge? There's three pieces to wisdom, godly or otherwise. There's knowledge, there's experience, and there's perspective. 
I'd be satisfied with the knowledge of God. But could you imagine, according to 1 John, where it says, if I ask God for wisdom, he's faithful to give it to us, abundantly and without reproach. Not only is he willing to give us his knowledge, he's willing to give us his eternal perspective over our life. Not only his eternal perspective, but his eternal experience, so that we might make decisions that glorify him. Man. If you're looking to find out what your purpose is, what your calling is, start asking God for his knowledge, his experience, and his perspective over your life. Stop trying to make him submit to yours because he won't. Not only do we get the wisdom of God, but according to this text, we get the righteousness of God, which means we stand righteous before God. Why? Because Jesus Christ made us righteous. We stand rightly before God because the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for us. Because when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ on us, over us, and in us. And sanctification and redemption. Not only the initial sanctification, the positional sanctification, but we have a promise that as we continue to be obedient to the word of God, we will become more and more like Christ. And in becoming more and more like Christ, we can rest assured that we have been bought back from the enemy. I know I seem to end here all the time, but it's so true. Redemption is such a big deal that I think Christians don't quite get a hold of. Redemption means that God redeemed you. He bought you. And we want to act like we belong to ourselves. We don't belong to us. We belong to God. You were a slave to sin. Now you are a slave to righteousness. It's not that you're not owned. You're just now owned by someone that is for you, not against you. Which is why we have to be obedient. Because we don't belong to us. Amen? And all of it, all of it, so that just as it is written, let him boast, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Everything God has done in you has nothing to do with you, short of your salvation. But even that's for his own glory. Did you know that? How does God receive glory in your salvation? Because it, it, it grows His name. It glorifies, it lifts up His name. To take something base and weak, something unintelligent, and for no other reason than it's His character to do so, extend grace to you. Everything is about Him. And if we can just realize that everything's about Him, and submit to Him, then we'll also acknowledge that whatever is in us is of Him, and we are adequate to do whatever He has called us to. I want us to stop walking in fear of inadequacy. If God called you to it, He will equip you for it, and He will move you to it. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love You. And we thank You that You 
love us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have made us adequate by sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to us. God, I pray over this congregation, over all of your people in every congregation, that we begin to acknowledge and recognize that it's your strength in us that makes us, that makes us capable of glorifying you in our life. I pray a special anointing, a special understanding over the people in this room so that they can know that they know that they do have a calling, that you have called them to a thing and you have equipped them for that calling, that we should stop being afraid of what you've called us to and step out into it. Whether that's being a parent or cleaning toilets or preaching, let it all be done for your glory. That we thank you, Heavenly Father, that your word tells us do not fear and then explains to us why we shouldn't. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for our, I thank you for my, I was but God, I am moment. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you could use me because I was broken. But you didn't intend to keep us broken. You put us back together. We worship you, Lord. We thank you for this time. Let these words, this message, burn into the heart of the insecure today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.